Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. And I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, a seminary student and intern at Christ Church Conway in Conway, Arkansas. We are excited to be talking with you today. Uh, so far this season, we've been talking about theology in the Bible, and each episode, Gage, we've been focusing on an episode, an an, uh, an element in our Sunday morning liturgy, and unpacking it, and while while we do what we do. We've talked about baptism and the Lord's Supper. We've talked about the corporate confession of sin. Uh, we've talked about um, the assurance of pardon, which we're named for. Um, and today we're going to talk about an element that uh, that our church here in Hot Springs, Hope Church President Hot Springs, doesn't do. We do passing the peace, and we spent an episode talking about that. Your church in Conway, in the in the segment where we would normally do passing the peace, you do uh, uh, um, something else, and that's an exhortation to holiness. So tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, kind of understanding the flow of, of thought and kind of the way the liturgy runs, you start with a, a call to worship, right, because we believe that it's um, not something we're um, – inventing but gets God who calls us to worship and then from there we give a scriptural warning the idea is you start with a big view of who God is because we understand who we are in light of who God is Uh, then we hear a way of salvation because the scriptural warning is always going to push us to our need for a savior right it's normally a passage that tells us the reality of who God is either um, calls us um to acknowledge his holiness and our lack thereof, or it talks about the something that God has called us to and we're aware of our shortcoming there. So we hear the way of salvation. And then after hearing the way of salvation, you hear the assurance of pardon that in light of what Christ has done, because he's provided the way of escape, um, that we are assured our pardon. We're forgiven past, present, and future uh, because of what Christ has done. And then we get to where you guys um, kind of give the, the assurance of pardon, and then as we've talked about in previous episodes, you then um, give the the call to pass the peace, and, and folks at Hope Church would then kind of get up and, and pass the peace and say, the peace of Christ be with you and also with you, right? Um, in, in our liturgy, right after the assurance of pardon, we would give the exhortation of holiness. And normally um, it's a... Um, imperative, right? It's it's a a passage in the Bible that would would call you um, to live in light of what you've you've heard, right? And so the the um, spiel that, that kind of whoever's leading the liturgy would say is. Um, we now, uh, having understood that we're forgiven, uh, past, present, and future, hear now the exhortation to holiness from wherever the passage is, and then would say, and we can hear this exhortation to holiness not as a weight that crushes us, right? We're not giving law. We're not giving you something to do to maintain your assurance that, you know, now that you're forgiven, here's how you keep your forgiveness. But you can hear this exhortation, this call to holiness, to holy living, to how you should live in light of the gospel um, as a call to live in light 
um, of the gratitude of the forgiveness that you've been given, right? So it's a call uh, for us, having heard the gospel, having heard the good news of Jesus Christ, to then ask the question that Francis Schaeffer famously asked, how then shall we live? That's what the exhortation is for. Yeah, that's so helpful uh, because you used used a couple of, of keywords that are so helpful there, an imperative. Uh, um, in the in when we're reading the Bible, we talk about the Bible has has imperatives and has indicatives, and an imperative being um, a command of what we are to do. But those imperatives of what we're to do are always need to be set in the context of the indicative, which is the Bible telling us who we now are, and all of the imperatives come in light of who we are. So, uh, in in when Paul says. Therefore, in view of his mercies, in view of the fact that you've been forgiven greatly, in view of the fact that you've been adopted, that you've been sanctified, that God is, is, has, has called you and made you his own, in light of that, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Or even, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And then he gives the law. And so the, the imperatives, the commands in Christian worship always should come after the indicatives. Uh, that's super helpful. So a good example of this would be, you know, this, this, um, Sunday we're going to do a, um, we're going to want to do a liturgy, even though we're not gathering together, the assurance of pardon is going to come from one Psalm 103. And it's going to say, uh, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So, you know, I imagine Kevin or whoever is going to lead the liturgy, liturgy is going to emphasize the fact that in light of what Christ has done, that our sins have been uh, cast out as far as the east is from the west. And then we're going to hear this exhortation to holiness uh, going on in Psalm 103 in verses 7 and 8 because it's going to say, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So we're going to hear this exhortation, this life lived out in light of the redemption of Christ um, as a, a charge uh, to carry out um, a call to holiness because of who Christ is. Uh, joining us also is uh, one of uh, Gage's colleagues from Christchurch Conway, Michael Kidd, who's a uh, a seminary student and uh, in in the PCA as well, and an intern at Christchurch Conway. Uh, Michael, you like Gage grew up in a Baptist context where um, all of these liturgical elements were not there. When they hear that we give an assurance of pardon, a a promise from Scripture that you are forgiven week after week, um, what old me would have thought is that that's just gonna give people license to sin. Uh, that you mean I show up every week and the pastor pats me on the back and tells me that I know you sinned, but Jesus is enough. Well, surely that can't be what God wants, which is precisely what Paul dealt with when Paul gives the gospel and it says, but you will say, should we go on sinning that grace may abound by no means? Of course not. And then he gives an exhortation to holiness. So, um, that's so important that we that we 
explain that because otherwise it does. It just sounds like I like to sin. God likes to forgive. It's a perfect relationship. Yeah. Well, I mean, to paraphrase Luther, you know, one of the things he's famous for saying is something along the lines of we're saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Um, and so that that's where you get into uh, the, the controversy for some people, at least with, with what James talks about, how we're not justified by faith alone, but by works also um, that there's a reality of works that flow from our faith. And when we're talking about the exhortation of holiness, on one hand, we need to be clear that yes, it's flowing from the assurance of pardon. Yes, it's in light of what Christ has done. Yes, it cannot be separated from uh, the indicative, but it is nonetheless exactly what we say that it is an exhortation to holiness, or to add to the title, an exhortation to live in holiness. Um, the author of Hebrews. Um, encourages uh, his readers. He says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without without which no one will see the Lord. So there's a reality at which our holiness is actually expected of us. But this holiness that that we respond to the assurance of pardon with um, is so much more than just a... uh, uh, a thankfulness. It's so much more than just a, uh, you know, I remember as a kid, there would be a period of time where if my dad did something good for me, if he got me a new toy or, or whatever, um, I would, uh, I would want to, you know, maybe, maybe act a certain way to show thankfulness for him. You know, I would want to, you know, thank you dad for what you did for me. And certainly we should be thankful for what it is that God has done for us, but it's much more than just mere thankfulness. Um, it's actually, um, living in light of the truth of who you are in light of a declaration of who you are, it's actually a part of your identity. It's not merely a response you make, although it certainly is that. Um, but, it, it, you know, to give an example, one of his possibly lesser-known movies, uh, Robin Williams' Centennial Man, right? He He's this robot, if you're not familiar There's with no it. There's no possibility. That is definitely one Definitely, de- definitely. No um, possibility about Yeah, it. yeah. You know, but he's he's this robot that's created in, in one generation, and as time goes on, because he's a robot and never dies, uh, he, he's still around in several generations later, but by the time more generations later get around, he's become more and more human, and that's kind of one of the ideas in the movie. He becomes more and more human, so therefore he acts in accordance with what his new identity is, and and that's that's much like us in what we have prior to the assurance of pardon. We're essentially, you know, for all its purposes, robots to sin. But in light of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, now we have this a new identity and this new freedom to walk in freedom and walk in an obedience of freedom. We're actually freed to obey what God commands us to do. So, Michael, let me ask you this. You mentioned something earlier um, in the introduction where uh, you kind of joked that growing up in the context that you grew up in, the uh, entire service was an exhortation to holiness. Unpack what you mean by that. Well, so growing up, you know, in churches that I grew up in, um, if you had pressed those pastors and those congregants as to, you know, the intricacies of salvation, they all would have certainly affirmed salvation by grace alone through faith alone. So I definitely want to be clear on the front end that this isn't a claim uh, to try to, uh, uh, you know, drive them into the ground for believing something wrong or, or whatever. But what I'm acknowledging more is the way that things came off in the service that seldom or never that I can remember specifically was the, the sermon ever about a declaration of this good news, that this is what God has done for you in Christ. Never was it a declaration of, in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Rather, it was, there is this holy, righteous God. You better live holy and righteously if you want to be right with Him. Mm -hmm. And so all of the weight was put on you 
and your response, there was really hardly even anything to respond to because even the death of Christ wasn't an act done on your behalf, but rather something made available to you that you had to reach out and take hold mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, in and of your mm-hmm. own your own yeah. power. And so, you know, in light of what Christ has done, even if he's saved you, now you got to hold up your end of the bargain. Right. right. Nin- 90 days, same as cash, as we've talked about on this before, is that I'm, I'm saved by Christ, but I'm kept saved by my own obedience. Um, and those sermons, I know exactly what you're talking about, are uh, they are uh, like a halftime locker room speech of come on in, get out there and fight a little harder. Um, they are not in light of your new identity. Uh, we, we talk so much about, about new identity. I think all three of us have said in light of our identity, in light of who we are, in light of who we are, in light of who, in light of what God has done and how he has adopted us and given us a new identity. That's the whole thing. I, I, I believe that justification happens through a daily, hourly, moment by moment reorienting of myself to my new identity. I need to be reminded of who I am in Christ. And as I fail to do that, I sin. As I fail to recognize I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, and he's done everything for my salvation. As I get that, I live a life that brings glory to him. But when I forget my identity, when I forget who I am and begin uh, behaving in such a way as though I'm trusting in my own righteousness and not in his righteousness, that's not the that's not the type of righteousness that's pleasing to him, righteousness that's done out of an attempt to to earn or merit something. So that's where I think people get tripped up as they hear exhortation to holiness. They either hear the good news of the gospel and they think, well, that just sounds like you can live however you want to uh, um, because because of the gospel. This says in the Sermon on the Mount that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, um, that it, or be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Um, what do you do with a verse like that? Some people hear that and they go, I'm in big trouble. I'm in big trouble because I I know my righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. But the good news of the gospel is that I actually do have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees because I have a gifted righteousness. I have been gifted the righteousness of Christ. That's the only, there's only one person who has a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, and it's Jesus. That's the bad news. The good news is that he gifts that to those who belong to him and that we're saved not by our righteousness, but by his righteousness. It's a gifted righteousness. Another way to put it is it's an alien righteousness. And both of those give the implication, and I don't think this can be driven home enough, that it is a righteousness that is outside of ourselves completely and entirely. Um, it's it's not even something, uh, I mean, we could debate this point, but it's not even something that we can just merely reach out and grab. I mean, we would all certainly agree that we partake of it or, or grab hold of it by faith for sure, but we would also at this table agree that faith is something that is given to us. And so even in that, it is something completely outside of ourselves that apart from an operation of the Spirit, apart from an application of the blood of Christ on our lives, um, apart, of that, apart from that declaration that we are righteous, uh, that we can't, we can't take hold of. Um, it's a righteousness completely, um, completely alien to us apart from Christ. To our point of talking about an exhortation to holiness, once we have partaken of Christ, once once we have partaken of Christ by grace through faith alone, it now isn't any longer alien to us. It's actually imputed to us. It's actually put on us. And it's going back to the point we made earlier. That's that's why we can ac- accurately respond. 
to this exhortation because it's something that is actually put on us and becomes part of our identity. So we can actually obey uh, this this exhortation to holiness. Uh, and I think that's important, right? Because you could hear uh, the word exhortation, right? That I'm calling you to do something and you could hear holiness. And a lot of times people think holiness is um, something I've got to try to achieve as opposed to a position that you're actually in, right? That you are, you are holy and to be holy because God is holy. Well, you're made holy through Christ and enabled towards holiness by the Spirit, right? So it's real easy to hear an exhortation of holiness as a, a to-do list, right? Or a checklist or, okay, finally you're giving me the, the five things I need to do as we've talked about time and time again, that we're not trying to do in the sermon, it could be real easy to hear this exhortation of holiness to go, okay, yep, now you need to you need to really step it up. You need to make sure you're doing your quiet time every day. You need to make sure that you're, you know, are you praying? Are you, during this time of coronavirus, are you loving your neighbor well? Or, or whatever the case may be. Um, it, it could be real easy to, to hear this part of the sermon and think this is the to-do Instead, going back to your point, Scott, as the epistles and Paul in particular so often does, it's more this is who you are, this is how you live in light of your actual identity. Like everything that Paul does and the way that he kind of lays out his letters is let me give you a big theology of what Christ has done. Let me give you uh, identity of who you are because what what Christ and the, the Holy Trinity and redemption past and in the, the finished work of Christ has done for you. And then he says, okay, so then love your neighbor this way and work this way and care for your, hu- your husband or wife this way. Be a parent this way. Be... Um, an employer this way, right? Like you, your exhortation, your call to holy living isn't that you have to try to check the box or this is the the to-do list that I've always needed and wanted, but it's more, hey, this is who you are. Don't forget who you are. Yeah. I, I, um, there's a phrase I like to talk about, uh, in church sometimes, I'll say, hey, I'm going to tell you a phrase, and everybody, when you hear it, you're going to bristle because you don't like this phrase. You ready? Participation trophies. We hear, we hear the idea of a kid, uh, a seven-year-old going to a soccer game, and he's terrible at soccer, but everybody on the team gets a, a participation trophy. Uh, and we th- and and I tell you who really hates participation trophies is people who are good at sports. People who are good at sports are offended at the idea of a participation trophy. You mean that kid who came in last place, the the kid who's totally uncoordinated, the kid who never hit the ball, who never caught the ball, who who finished last. You mean he gets a participation trophy? That offends my sensibilities as an athlete. But but here's who here's who has a participation trophy: Christians. We have a participate. We share in. We participate in Christ's merit. We have been gifted His righteousness, and so uh, we are. Uh, we are put on the field and given a jersey, and it says Jesus on the back. And we're called to live as though out of that new identity. And so the gospel is is the good news that we share in Christ's perfect righteousness and his perfect merit and so the exhortation is holiness after hearing the the assurance of pardon is to say in light of what you have just heard go and live as though it's true yeah gentlemen if i can jump in and play host for just a second i know we're reaching the the end of our time here but let's try to bring this into the pew a little bit i mean we're gonna you're gonna have 
men and women and children in your congregation who are at different phases, different seasons, different places in life as they come to these different parts of the liturgies. And I think in particular, um, the, the exhortation to holiness is one that depending on you know, how you've done that week, for lack of a better term, might hit you a little more heavily or a little more lightly. What, 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 what kind of, of, of encouragement, what type of hope uh, can we give anybody who may be listening to this, who may be thinking, well, that's all great and good, and I believe all that, but when I hear that, I still feel burdened or I still feel let down because this week I know I sinned in this way or that way, either by omission or commission. I know I failed in these regards to do what I should have done. I failed in these regards not doing what I knew I shouldn't or doing what I knew I should not have done. Uh, what, what kind of encouragement can we can we give them? So I, I think it, it calls us to two things. One, it reminds us of why we have to hear the gospel every week. A lot, a lot of times, I know especially in our church, uh, at times the complaint isn't the right word, but maybe the, the pushback has been, man, it feels like it's the same sermon every single week. And in some senses it is, right? Like Because we are a forgetful people. I, I had, I think I've shared this analogy before, when we were living um, right after the house fire with some friends in Damascus, uh, they used to be sheep farmers. And they would talk about how like you have to tell a, a sheep to do something every single time. They, they couldn't remember what you said or what you showed them the last time. And the Bible doesn't say we're all like um, cats or we're all like dogs. We're all, all like cows. It says we're like sheep, right? That we forget. We walk out the door, we get in the car, and we haven't started fighting with our spouse or our kids and forgotten the gospel completely. Give us a little bit, and we absolutely will. We need the gospel every single week. So that exhortation to holiness, even if it charges you to go, man, I didn't do that this week, then that's a charge, one, to hear the gospel for you again and hear you're, you're uh, forgiven in light of what Christ has done, that he actually has lived out the life of holiness on your behalf, and there's there's strength there. But also it, it calls you uh, towards dependence on the Spirit, right? It, it causes you to have to go, yeah, I didn't do that, <laughs> and I haven't done that. Spirit, help me. That's exactly right. Yeah, but he gives more grace, as James says. You know, uh, we are. That's exactly right. We're we're. Uh, you use the analogy of sheep. I, I say that we're like a clock that needs to be wound every day. Uh, um, as soon as you uh, in the old days, as soon as you wound a clock, you know what that clock did is it began unwinding itself. Like that's what it does is it tries to not be wound anymore. And so we need the good news of the gospel and the exhortation to holiness to be rewound over and over again, because as all we like sheep have gone astray, each of us have preferred our own way. Yeah. We're prone to wander as the hymn says prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. So we need the corporate gathering. We need the, the means of grace that God has given us, the Lord's Supper and baptism, the preached word. We need the fellowship of the brethren because we are prone to forget those things. So when I, my, our brothers and sisters uh, who identify as Christians but don't uh, darken the doors of a church, they are theologically and spiritually malnourished because they're not getting the thing that God has given them to encourage them. And that is the preached word and the sacraments because, um, yeah, we need it over and over again. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, that concludes our time. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or uh, visit our website at assuranceofpardon.com. We'd love to uh, hear from you and hear how these podcasts are benefiting you. And if you have any questions during this time, 
Um, you got a little extra time on your hands uh, to listen to podcasts during the quarantine. And so if you have any questions from past episodes or the ones that we're getting ready to release, we'd love to hear from you, dialogue with you, um, hit us up on any of the social media platforms or shoot us a message through the website. Um, and this is Assurance of Pardon.